Good afternoon and welcome to this live edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. It's Tuesday and uh, is it already the 30th of January 2018? Yeah, it's only going to come around one time and what we do today for God is uh, this one chance we have for today. We're going to live for Him today. I'm glad you could join us and listen to us as we encourage you throughout the afternoon. Right now in Memphis, we have a sunny sky, 42 degrees, looking for a uh, clear sky tonight, going to drop down to about 33. Then tomorrow, we're going to have this amazing heat wave, a sunny sky and 59 degrees. I'm Byron Tyler. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. If I didn't already say that, we do want to welcome you to the program. It's always great to be here on Tuesday and Thursday and Wednesday now, too, to uh, talk to our folks in the community about all kinds of issues. And we're going to introduce our guest in just a moment. But first of all, it's been a while back, but Paige Kimberlin and her husband Brad have an incredible ministry in town. It's called the Mid-South Love Home. They actually take young girls that are pregnant, that are looking for a place to stay, and they've actually re-basically built an apartment for, I think, up to four girls, three or four girls in their house, and they care for them through their pregnancy when they've been kicked out by family or they're just caught up in a really difficult situation. Well, Paige and, and Brad are just great folks. I just happened to see a post on the Mid-South Love Home Facebook page, and I thought as we start off, I'll just mention this. Paige says, good morning, friends. I have a young mom who lived with me who is in need of some things. She has had a full-time job since she was living here, and she's working hard to take care of herself and her precious daughter. She's only 18 years old. I'm very proud of her, and she has her own apartment now. However, she doesn't have much in it. I have an awesome new couch donated. I have a bed frame and a coffee table for her. But there are a few remaining needs. A full-size baby crib, a chest of drawers, a dresser, pots and pans, a microwave. Now, if anyone has something to donate for her, please let Paige know. Now, your donations are tax deductible. We are not looking for brand new things, but please don't donate things that are worn badly. She's worth having nice things, this young lady. She just needs a little help. I think we can pull together and take care of her. Thanks in advance. This, again, is from Paige Kimberlin, director of the Mid-South Love Home. If you want to learn more about the Mid-South Love Home, you can go to Facebook and just type in Mid-South Love Home, and you'll find it. See pictures of these beautiful children, and you'll see a picture of Paige and the work that they're doing. And that's how you can contact her through Facebook. If you have any of these items, would like to donate any of these items that are in fairly good condition, please go to that Facebook page, Mid-South Love Home, to do so. And also want to mention another thing. From time to time, Paige can use volunteer helpers to the ministry there to do some cleaning in the living quarters because, as you mentioned, they want to go in and make it look really nice as they take these young women in. Also want to mention one more thing about the Mid-South Love Home, the Chick-fil-A next to Starbucks in Germantown on Wolf River, right along the side of the Wolf River, by the overpass there as you go over the Wolf River, the Chick-fil-A there, you'll notice there's some baskets by the cash register with a picture of Paige and some of the girls and women, the babies that are being ministered to by the Mid-South Love Home. That's a basket for donations. So if you want to drop by the Chick-fil-A there and just drop a few dollars in or whatever God puts on your heart, that money collected all will go to 
Mid-South Love Home. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, coming up tomorrow on Mid-South Viewpoint, we'll be talking with Steve and Lori Williams. Dear, dear, longtime friends of mine, Steve and Lori are directing the ministry called the Prayer House Ministry here in our town. We'll get more details about that. But we're going to talk about the journey that the Williams have been going alongside his son and daughter-in-law, who recently gave birth a few months back to a young boy, Everett Gray Williams, who is still in the hospital, still undergoing, I don't know, this young boy's head, I think he's maybe not quite four months, maybe not quite six months, not sure exactly, but he's had multiple, multiple surgeries, and his health condition has been dismal at times. But God has been faithful. We're trusting God for miracles, and we've already seen him do so much in baby Everett's life. So we're going to talk about praying through life. Sometimes it doesn't come easy. We always depend on God, thankful for prayer. So the Williams are going to talk about that journey and how we just pray through difficult times sometimes. And sometimes when the difficult times continue to linger and mount up, you know, it can get pretty heavy at times. Well, As I mentioned, we have a great show lined up for you today. My dear friend, Pastor Ralph White of Bloomfield Church in South Memphis is here. About this time each year, we get together and we try to squeeze in a a time or two during the year uh, to talk with Pastor Ralph. But Ralph White, God bless you, my friend. Good to see you this afternoon. Same here. Appreciate you having me on. Well, this was kind of a last minute thing. I had a (laughs) kind of a schedule this week. You and I talked last week and I said, well, Pastor Ralph, we're going to have to probably wait to after the hands around 201. Evidently, God wanted you to be here today. The Lord knows how to work things out. Hey, I appreciate you working it out on your schedule. No problem. Thank you so much. But the uh, the hands around 201 Poplar will be this Saturday at 11 a.m. We're here to give details about that. And before we jump into that conversation, there's something you and I have never really talked much about. Hmm. And that is your wife, Janet. Okay. I, I just want to know something more about her because I saw a picture, a beautiful picture of you and a wonderful, you always wear the best suits, by the way. Oh, thank you. And uh, she was in a beautiful dress and had her hat on and you were there together. How long have you been married? I want to kind of get a backstory of how you met. Uh, and we've been tell me married about over hmm, 43 years. Well, you better get that one right, huh? 43 years. I had to make sure. I mean, <laughs> we associate that with our time in the ministry. So 43 years, and uh, it's been beautiful. What you saw in the picture on the outside, she's the same on the inside. She's been kind of my inspiration, some of the... Uh, force that's behind me that motivates me to move on when sometimes you say wow is this worth it all and when it's something that you say okay well lord i'm gonna do it maybe i have to do it by myself but she's been there my partner and she's one of my ministers at the church and she encourages me so she's all that we have three lovely children just had another great grand this past year congratulations my Two sons, my oldest boy, he's he's a pastor in Tuscaloosa. His son acknowledged his calling last year, so he's so God is blessing. My younger son, Ralph, is doing great. He's in Atlanta, my baby. She's at church. She's a praise worship leader. So all this is good. And they take much of that after their mom. So So where do you and Janet meet? We met we lived in Memphis. Jan went she was born in Arlington. Uh, moved to Florida, came back to Memphis, and as a result of a relationship, my sister, knowing some of her relatives, kind of met at a, a gathering, and from that we kind of took it on and just started dating, and that was almost 
45 years ago. So God bless, and it's been good. Great union. How does she compliment you most, do you feel? Well, I think uh, just being there, we, we're, we're one in this ministry. We're one in the ministry, and uh, the vision comes to do certain things, and she buys into it, from pastoring to whatever we do, hands around to a one poplar, marching on the madness, the gas for guns, and all those things that we do, have done, the fishing road, et cetera. She's there working just as hard as I am. Wow. What yeah, an incredible so, lady. You know, yeah. you, you, I guess, when, especially when you're in the ministry, and I guess sometimes even if your congregation, some people might not agree with you or you feel some pressure there, be able to come home at night and have a wife that supports you, that has got to be pretty important. Definitely so, because many times my members will call her about issues before they call me. I say, wait a minute. You know, so she's that kind of person. She'll get to talking and get into your situation and many times takes it more at heart than I do because sometimes as pastor, there's some things I have to make sure I don't let them consume me. Well, she'll take it and I'll find her visiting people at the hospital, taking them food, stopping, those kinds of things she does and uh, without looking for any reward other than, hey, I've served and I'm helping to compliment what the pastor's doing. Well, we want to salute Miss Janet today. And you and I, we've met many times. We've talked on this show a variety of episodes and opportunities. Never, we never really have talked about Miss Janet. So, Yeah, she's quite the character. Sounds like she is. Let's talk about some of the backstories. We talk about hands around 201 Poplar. This has been going on now. This movement started. I'm trying oh. to remember now because we were there the very first year. We've yeah, talked about this. but Six or seven years. Yeah, I was going to say at least six or seven years. Yeah. But for those maybe new to the Memphis area, I interviewed a pastor today, and you know he, his family just moved here recently. Give us some of the backstory why <laughs> this particular movement was started. Well, what, is, what happened to me? You know, I've been working with young men and young women in the streets for years, and um, it came to me that uh, then uh, Black History Month is celebrated in February. And, and and looking at the news, breaking news, wherever it may be, I see young men and young women who look like me. Um, and, I and you know, my heart goes out. Good-looking, promising-looking young people who are incarcerated or whatever. Then I think about the spiritual warfare that's going on that's bringing these young people to that place. So I thought it would be very significant in Black History Month that we hold prayer for every spirit. Now, whoever, black, white, Hispanic, whomever may be in that facility, uh, we want to go and just pray for them. I think black history might be, I guess, significant to us, our community, and saying, let's pray for these young people. Every spirit that's wreaking havoc in the city, it's housed in that community. So we believe in spiritual warfare. And so we decided that on the first Saturday in every February, we would come together and just hold hands around 201 Poplar. And historically, you'll see that those who've gathered are um, of all, are all races. We've had African-Americans, European-Americans, Hispanics, etc. coming, young and old, and every denomination who gathered around there and prayed for an hour 
So it's been awesome. We've had elected officials, the mayors have been there, police director, because we realize that even though I understand we have uh, new recruits for police, et cetera, which is great. But we still look at the crime. I think murders are down, but everything else is up. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, in 2016, the murder rate in Memphis was about 64% higher than that of Chicago. Right. That's according to the Commercial Appeal. Now, Memphis has experienced a violent first three months in 2016 with 60 people that were killed by the end of March compared to 35 homicides the same time a year prior in 2015. So, yeah, Forbes magazine ranked Memphis in the 10 most dangerous U.S. cities in 2017, Memphis ranked number four. Right. And, and the, the, that's where we are. So we've got to not only do what we're doing, but we've got to escalate it. That's why we, we're we looking forward to even the march on the madness that's going to come. Yeah. We, we need to have a presence there. We, we've done the gas for guns for several years. There would be those individuals who would say, well, what's the use? You're taking guns up the street. But yet they're still killing people. I said, but yeah, they're not killing them with the guns we took up. So, you know, we we have to understand that, that we could just give up and say it's going to happen. But no, 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 no. We're to take the initiative. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 gives us a charge of my people. Now, we could imagine what would happen if everybody decided nothing's going to work. See, one of the things I've done over the years, I stopped focusing on problems, I start focusing on solutions. And you have too many people focusing on the problems, reminding everybody what the problem is. We know what the problem is. The problems will take care of themselves. But what we fail to do is to go into the communities, I mean, hands on hand, one-to-one, talking to these young men and young women. And we can, and I've seen as evidence, that we can turn the lives of people around. Pastor Ralph, let me go back to that Forbes magazine article that ranked Memphis number four of the most 10 dangerous cities. Crime rate of 1,583 per 100,000 residents. Now, Memphis police say they suffer from a reporting problem, as in they report more crimes than some other cities. But they also say Memphis has a stubborn criminal culture. What exactly do you think they mean by that Memphis has a stubborn criminal culture? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd hate to address that. But, you know, uh, I think there's a young man who killed a police officer uh, some years ago, Tremaine Wilburn. Yeah. And uh, from the director, you know, there came negatives that he's this and that, you know. This young man, even though he had done it, he said, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that beast or whatever you call me. And and I can understand, you know, but when we look at these young people in that way, when they commit crimes, where uh, the crimes are horrendous, they're, they're, these are things you've murdered someone, but yet to say this is what we're dealing with, and the young man, it means I, that's not who I am. So I think they take it, you know, these criminals are just, animals and, you know, we're going to be relentless and our tracking them down and come, rather than saying there are some issues we've got to deal with. Why are these young people the way they are? Yep. Then we look at the system, you know, and I said, when you see them fighting in the malls and uh, fighting, I said, they didn't just go to the mall and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to learn how to fight. That that started at home. That started in their community. That started in their environment. And we're responsible for that. 
And until we try to reach out in a humane and from the church uh, spiritual perspective, we'll never get to the roots of it. So that's why we're praying that God will pull down those strongholds that he can change these young people's hearts. And, you know, we can work with them. So well, I think that's what we've got to look at is the church has got to step up. Well, you know, you and I have talked in the past about this same issue when it comes to addressing the crime in certain areas of town. If some people out in the suburbs and other areas say, well, that's not my problem, well, then eventually that crime is going to come it's to you. Move. And we're already seeing that now. You mentioned the mall right after Christmas. At the Wolf Chase Galleria, police identified some of the suspects arrested in a fight and shooting, and they were known as gang members. One video of the incident shows a man outside Wolf Chase Galleria dropped a gun, then gets shot while reaching for it. One bystander says, I was terrified because that's where my daughter hangs out on the weekend with her friends. Said Delvin Lane, former gang member, who's now a supervisor with 901 Block Squad. Delvin has been on the show before when he was with Streets Ministries. I think you know Delvin, don't you? Lane says he also couldn't believe the range and ages of those involved in the fighting and shooting in the mall. He said, usually the kids who hang out at Wolf Chase are minors. So to hear you got a 23-year-old and 24-year-old hanging out there with them was quite shocking to him. Also a bit scary because I don't want my daughter hanging out with grown men. Police identified the man shown in the video as Marquise Lester, 23, and said he's known member of a gang called Fam Mob. Are you familiar with this gang? I heard of it. I mean, you know, but I'm saying all this. Say this is you know that parents are concerned. Of course, the parents don't need to be irresponsible and freely drop their kids off at the mall without any supervision either. It's dual responsibility. For example, the young guy who was uh, killed, shot in the head the other day at the restaurant. I think what uh, a youngster, a child, at five in the morning, and then the question went, you know. What was this child doing? Was he on the way to school? Was he coming from work? Or what did that early in the morning with uh, one of his pals with a gun? Now, I understand that the individual who had the gun was older. So it's no surprise to me that we had 20-some-year-olds running with teenagers. That's, that's what they're doing. They're recruiting these young people. So if you're really working with gangs, et cetera, you should understand that culture. Some years ago, I had to been over, it's been 30 years. I went to a high school to talk to the teachers, the principal, et cetera, about gangs. And they almost pushed me out the door. Where do you all come from? talking about gangs we've got good children we've got a lot of it went on and on and on and so i pulled back you know jesus said you just have to shake the dust off your feet when some people when they're not listening that was south side high school now we know the south side is it's gone but it was infiltrated with all these kinds of things and when when, when uh, we knew gangs were prevalent then but not as they are now and uh, to have the age, you know, that's no big deal. That's no surprise. And therein is my concern, is that people who are supposedly dealing with this, they're missing it somehow. Yeah. They're missing it somehow. Well, Pastor, how can churches that are not equipped to reach gang members, and I think that you could say there are certain churches that would not be really equipped to equipped to reach gang members. Not that they can't share the gospel, not that some haven't tried, but I'm talking about really to make an impact, have a, a, a change of culture in gang members' lives. 
how can these particular churches help support pastors and churches in our community who already have experience like yourself in helping gays? Well, I'm going to show you some things. We'll be talking about it. And like I said, you'll be the first. Because we've got some things that we're doing, we're working on, that we can introduce to the city that's going to, we're going to do it and activate it a community at a time. We've got to know what our resources are. You're a church in the community, and pretty much all you know is your church. There's another church down the block. Well, if these churches could come together and say, hey, what is our problem? We're going to deal with just problems in our area. Now, what are our assets? What are our liabilities? What's going on in the schools? Let's work together. Our kids need to be educated. Kids need to understand that they don't have to settle for where they are. We've got to look at the resources in our particular communities. Then we look at the city and say, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what our political leadership, this is what you need. We don't need individuals who are in positions when other parts of the city are doing great based upon tax monies and grants, et cetera. Then you've got other communities, such as the community where my church is, who are struggling. We're all paying taxes. We, should, we have public schools. Some schools are better. There should not be, you know, the inequality in schools that we see now. People are, uh, stand up now. They say you don't have to sleep late now. You don't have to get up early and spend the night to get your child in a good school. Every school should have the same programs. It should be equal for all the children. Regardless, now, if you can't do that as superintendent or as board, then we need some more people who can come together and work together and get that done. Every child has an opportunity to move and to succeed in life. We're not seeing that. So it doesn't, it's not just the crime, but these are byproducts, then jobs, opportunities for jobs, but not only jobs. Let's train young people so they can say you can own your own business. So, you know, it's more than just uh, just uh, let's talk to you about crime, but we need to see how is it we got where we are. Yeah, we need some productive, positive ways to make the difference yeah, here as we're so. talking. I love going to yeah. school because there were some things that were offered to me. Uh, there were some goals that the, they set for me. Then they gave me the opportunity, you know, to do that, to strive to reach those goals. Everybody's not going to do it, but that's not your fault. You yeah. don't, you know, focus and say you're not going to do it. Everybody is going to get an opportunity, and then we'll see some things change. And then the church, we do what we do to support it. Well, Pastor Ralph, the primary reason we're really here today is not to minimize the power and the purpose of prayer. And that's Definitely. what Hands Around 201 is all about. It is a, a peaceful and prayerful means, something that my pastor and our church is really focusing on. We're praying. Memphis has been known as a city of pain because, you know, of course, Dr. King's assassination here. Look at these crime rates we're talking about here. It's been known as a city of pain, but we would like to pray that God would make our city become known as a city of peace. I think the first thing about that is reaching across like opportunities like that to join hands around 201, join hands to pray together across racial denominational lines. And that's what Hands Around 201 Poplar is all about this Saturday at 11 o'clock. Right. And we're there and we believe and we're going to put on those strongholds. And that's why we've included all of our leadership in this so we can understand uh, and hopefully open up hearts and minds and the Lord reveals us 
what our real problems are, you know, what it is. And these young people, we've seen them. As a matter of fact, I was talking to one of the ministers this morning whose grandson uh, was a part of that gang element, and we witnessed to him, and he called me about two weeks ago. He's Reverend this so-and-so. He said, I'll be at church. He said, I'll be there with my family. Then I think he got the time wrong, and then I think the weather, and I talked to his granddad. I said, tell so-and-so I'm waiting on him. I'll call him again, you know. But you have to work with these guys and nurture them, but they're listening. They understand. Yeah. As you get older, that this is not the way. Come through prayer. The ultimate thing, too, I think, as we go back to looking at a gang member, they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for family. And fragmented family that many of them come from, you know, they're just looking for that place of acceptance. The church should be representing the ultimate family, God's forever family. If what gang members are seeking is acceptance in family, Shouldn't the church be the perfect place to receive those in gangs in order to reach them with the gospel of Jesus? Definitely so. And we're praying God just touch their hearts and bring them there. And I think uh, just just our presence there, I've had individuals there again who come to me and say, I was there, whatever that particular year may have been. I was there in that system. Well, you, you're talking you, about people inside the jail looking out the window and seeing so. these people pray. Right. So I was there when you prayed for us. Yes. So they feel they feel that, and many times it's cold and whatever. I said, but we can't stop. They Criminals don't stop their activities just because it's cold. Okay, Pastor, our time's mm-hmm. slipping away. Sure. Make sure we get some details so people know where to come exactly. 201 Poplar, of course, the Criminal Justice Center. There's parking across the street, around the building. Just come and just tell us what we need to do. I tell them, I try to get there at 1030. Try to be there at 1030 so we can gather, get individuals in place. And once we're there, we'll give them instructions and we'll start praying promptly at 11 o'clock. Okay. Pray for 11 o'clock. Come with a prayer in your heart, uh, a person, uh, uh, whatever in your mind. Say, hey, I'm lifting up brother so-and-so, I'm lifting up this community or whatever. And we're going to pray for an hour right there. And at 12 o'clock, we'll dismiss. Again, it's peaceful that, you know, if you can bring, encourage to bring families can come with their children. We, we've had children, seniors. Like I say, everybody is welcome. Whether you're in church or you're not in church, you just want to come pray. Yeah. We want you to come be there. and be with us. Okay. Pastor Ralph White, thank you so much, my dear brother, for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom Appreciate in our you. community. Thanks for Hands Around 201, friend. Don't forget this Saturday, 11 o'clock on uh, February 3rd. If you want more information, you can call Pastor Ralph at 901-481-3320. 901-481-3320. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hey, thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. Don't forget now, Stephen Lori Williams with us tomorrow. We're going to continue talking about prayer. Join us.